All right, listeners, welcome back. Uh, Sunday, February 18th. It is 94 by 50 basketball here as always with Max. Max, it's a little bit since we've recorded an episode, uh, a little over a month. So how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Listeners, good to be with you. Matthew, good to be with you. Uh, We're really in the thick of it. Uh, We're in All-Star Weekend as we record um, at the the skills challenge three point uh wmba versus nba three point and dunk contest last night uh really in the thick of big 10 there's a lot going on had the super bowl so yeah it's good good for sports right now how are things on your end they're good man uh yeah been rehabbing this back injury which uh has been made it for a few months difficult few months uh, physically for me, but this uh, very excited to be on the pod. It's a nice uh, break from from everything else that's going on, and you know, wouldn't want to talk basketball with anyone else. Woo! Good to hear that. Good to be here. And yeah, listeners, send your prayers and any alternative medicine tips you've got to MK for his back. Thank you. Um, yeah. Anything you might not have heard of. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. Um, did you want to just start off with uh, NBA All-Star since we're, we're really in the middle of it right now? Yeah. It's fresh. Yeah. Um, so, cool. Where do you want to go? We, we can start with the skills comp if you just want to go in order. Yeah, let's do that. Let's start with the skills comp. Cool. So we had the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Um, which was Halliburton, uh, Matherin, and Miles Turner. Yep. And the number one picks, which is Paolo, Anthony Edwards, and Victor Wembanyama. And we had the All Stars, which is Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, and Trey Young, the young All Stars. Um, and they competed in, I believe it was three events. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be honest i kind of had this on in the background i wasn't i didn't watch the whole thing um i guess i'll just give my overarching thought on it and then you know you can dive in if you paid more attention to it i just think it, it it's underwhelming i think they really need a new uh version of this i don't like the the three thing i think even just having the like little obstacle course that they do at first where they run around you know and they pass it they shoot it like, to me, that's interesting enough. The whole, like, you know, targets that they throw into and then, like, the shooting. I don't know. It just feels a little like you're watching practice versus, like, a fun game. And I think that would be my overarching thing. And then uh, it just shows, like, even, like, Anthony Edwards, like, when he started shooting the threes left-handed, you know, in that one event. Yep. I was just like, okay, like they don't care. Why should I care? You know? Yeah. And that's kind of how I, that would be how I, my takeaway from the skills challenge. But how, how did you feel about it? Yeah, I felt the same way. Uh, this is something that they need to, it, it's just basically an, an hors d'oeuvre <laughs> to, mm-hmm. for the rest of the night that most viewers probably skip or, or like you had on in the background. And you can see the players don't take it that seriously either. Like we had Scotty Barnes uh, mishandling the ball. I think Bonchero went the wrong way. So it becomes just kind of an afterthought. I actually liked 
the format that they had previously where they had yeah. a current player from a city's NBA franchise, a current player from the same city's WNBA franchise, and then often an NBA or WNBA legend from that city on a team. Um, I thought that was cool. Or you just completely scrap it and put in something like knockout, which uh, our friend Sully, Coach Sully, as you guys know him, uh, suggested on the text last night, which I think would bring a little bit more competitiveness and just a welcome change. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I just think either knockout, just something that people can get like kind of excited about or just like really vamp up and make it a big relay race, like one event, you know? Right. Uh, it feels like, yeah, they, they tried, like, it's almost felt like time filler in mm-hmm. a way. And it's just not working. Um, the the Pacers ended up winning it, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that, again, it just feels like, of course they did because they care because they're at home, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. Yeah, I just think I, I think I like what you're saying, like bring back the old of um, the legend, the WNBA and the NBA player and make it either a relay race or make it knockout and go from there. Right. Yep. Um, moving on to the three point contest. Um, so. Pretty good showing, I'd say, from everybody. Everyone scored a 20 or higher. Yep on the first round and i know that you know there's all these crazy there's like the money ball rack and then the, this new starry shot i believe that's new mm-hmm. where it was worth three points yeah um but everyone shot pretty well um and there were what four people who all tied for 26 i thought that was interesting yep um and yeah i mean Dame, big shouts out. Uh, hopefully that gets him kind of really going. And just another thing for Bucks fans to be excited about overall. Cat um, did well again. I think it, it is impressive seeing a big man stroke it at his level. Mm-hmm. I think just like when I was seeing him shoot it, it's such a nice, repeatable shot. Um, I, I did, you know, I come away impressed with it. Um, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, nothing too insane or exciting, but just a really impressive performance of shooting for sure. You know, it, it, Reggie Miller said it, but it does seem like every year that he's better and better and better. These yeah. guys are crazy shot makers. Mm-hmm. And I like that uh, we have a lot of all-stars, really well-known players in it, unlike the dunk contest, which we'll get to. You know, you have... That's a good point. Brunson, an all-star. Halliburton, an all-star. Lillard, an all-star. Donovan Mitchell, all-star. Cat, all-star. Trey Young, all-star. And then the other two are Markkanen, who won the league's most improved player last year, and Malik Beasley, who is... uh, And was an all-star last year. Yep. And Malik Beasley, who's no slouch himself. You know, you can see the differences between the guys who are... um, sort of in-game jump shooters and make threes as they get into the flow of it, um, you know, more off the dribble. Whereas you see guys like Cat, who are just great stroke, great form, 
used to being catch and shoot at the top of the key um, and use their their legs a lot less when they shoot. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I think it's just it's a great event. It's classic. Like, I can't say this was like the most exciting, you know, mm -hmm. but I, I love this event. I think it is still fun that they are adding like the starry shot and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, which I, I think is just a really good point, that the caliber of player, like it still definitely means something, you know, to be the three-point champion. For sure. Um, there's definitely like uh, a lot of bragging rights around that. I yeah. think more than, I mean, definitely the skills challenge, but probably more than the dunk contest too, especially right now, I think. But um, so, you know, great contest, great shooters. And then we had this little side contest between Sabrina and uh, Steph. And you know what? It went by very quickly, I thought. You know, it was just super fast. But mm -hmm. I thought it was great, too, you know. And for her to put up a 26 from the NBA range, um, I know, I think it was Kenny Smith. Yep. Was he on the – yeah. Who, he got a lot of flack for saying she should have sh just shot from the women's line. And I – don't think he fully deserves all that you know i think he was just saying just like why not just go from there and make it a real you know what i mean but it's also like the competitor in her said she wanted to shoot from there so she's got to take the loss or win from there too so you kind of just got to respect her as a competitor what she chooses to do you know and to step back there and get 26 which was would have been enough to get her probably in the finals you know get her in that tie uh tiebreaker uh with the three-point shooting contest like that's pretty damn good you know yeah and she's, on Steph. yep and she's not mid-season at all either she's you know she's in the the dog days of her off season um so she's not in mid-season form she's not used to shooting in a big arena like that so i thought it was super impressive i really liked it um yep I hope they continue to do things like this. You know, there was talk of bringing in Caitlin Clark next year. I think like a Sabrina and one of her WNBA teammates or some another player from a WNBA team against the Splash Brothers or something would be really cool. Um, I think the NBA found something in this concept. And we should just tell the listeners the backstory here too. The reason this came about is because Last year, Steph set the men's three-point contest record with 31 points. Uh, Sabrina went way past that in the WNBA three-point contest, dropped 37, which is crazy. Um, yeah, that was an insane Yeah, I think she missed her first five. two or three shots and then made every other one, which is just yeah, absurd. Just an insane run. Yeah. It, it got me thinking, I think that's what they should have, like the three-point contest, keep that, you know. Mm -hmm. And then they should do two ball. Do you remember that game? Yes. List, yeah. Listeners, you just have to hit um a shot at each like of the five kind of like uh spaces around the arc. Or maybe two shots at each. I think yeah, you make two shots behind the three pointer at five different spots around the arc. Right. And with a, with a partner, and, right? Yeah. With a partner, and so it's like, and it, so again, it's like a relay race. It's you and your partner versus, and while one person's shooting, you're rebounding. Then you switch, and it's a race to see who can make the ten shots fastest. Um, 
or, you know, 20 shots between the two. So I think like that sounds like it could be awesome. You know, mm-hmm. you put like Steph and Clay versus, you know, Kelsey Plum and Vandersloot or something. Right. So just like being able to like do stuff like that, I think would be great. Um, and I think that's the way they should go because like they said, Sabrina said it, like it was an honor and really cool to have this thing happen. And I think it's only good to continue it and to cement it and make it bigger and better. So I, I would hope that it comes back next year. Yeah, totally agree. Um, my better half, Kirsten, had some quick fire questions that she wanted us to answer on the pod as well. Uh, so viewers you or listeners, you probably saw Guy Theory cigar. Do you think it was lit, Max, or is he just gnawing on it as part of his whole look, his ensemble uh, last night? Unfortunately, definitely not lit. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't allow that. But gnawing on it, yeah, I'm not a cigar guy, so I don't really get it, but that's definitely a thing people do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but I, he continues his run of being right there at every one of them. <laughs> yep. Pretty impressive. Yep. Yeah, it was him, and then he was a. <laughs> there's probably like a 16 year old skinny kid between him and then Gail King. Um, Gail King's just making the rounds too. She was at the Super Bowl last week. <laughs> now here, so. Yeah. All right. Um, Fifty Cent was also on the air, uh, notably looking slimmer than he was at the Super Bowl a couple years ago, where he. You know, was hanging upside down doing his into club thing. Uh, rumors he's on Ozempic. Any comments on that? Uh, I would say yes, he is. It seems yeah. like all of them are right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Yeah. Uh, he, yep. Uh, your highlight of All Star Saturday night? Um, it's jumping the gun a bit but i think mac mcclung's uh dunk where he tosses it to himself yeah i think just like a never before seen dunk that was underrated by the judges that was just incredible and then um and then yeah just the WNBA and nba kind of merging and having this thing together mm-hmm. in the spirit of like the skills challenges that they had but yeah, just really recognizing two great shooters and sh- showing that they can compete in ways. You know, we might have these two different leagues, but shooters are shooters, hoopers are hoopers, and you know, there's a lot of competition to be had. So those are my highlights. What about you? Yeah, I think definitely Steph versus Sabrina uh, was the highlight for me. I, um, I'm sure there were a lot of cynical people who, you know. We're thinking this is just a sort of a publicity stunt. There's no way she can compete, you know, people who are frankly probably sexist and don't know much about the WNBA. But I love that she performed, as we said, she equaled the score of the men's three-point contest winners um, and, you know, got outdid by Steph by I only think three points. I think it was 29-26. So yep. that was the highlight for me. Um, but, yeah, let's get into the dunk contest. So Mac McClung retained his crown you mentioned that first dunk which you know i think the judges were just sleeping on a little bit 
Um, it was his second attempt, so maybe the judges held that against them. But Kenny Smith and Reggie Miller were talking about how they're not supposed to. They're just supposed to grade dunks one by one and not yeah, hold it um, against the competitors uh, if they miss the first dunk. I thought that was incredible. I mean, to, to jump over yeah. the guy, throw it to himself, double clutch, and then, <laughs> and then dunk it. Um, yeah, it, but it, uh, maybe, maybe sort of the glitz and the novelty of McClung wasn't there this year because people knew who he was. It wasn't this little, um, G League guy that coming out of nowhere to win like it was last year. I think so, but I also think some of it has to do with the, the judging like that should have been a 50 and gotten everyone fired up right there you know yep and instead it was given a a, sh- a not as good uh score which then got people upset at it you know mm-hmm. so i think there's something to be said about just yeah like the judging system just like did not work out no and if it is if you're supposed to grade it on the dunk itself you know then that Got way too low of a score. Um, it was a dunk we'd never seen before. I thought that was probably the only really exciting dunk. Yeah. Of the thing, which is too bad, you know. I mean, Mac fully clearing Shaq, that was cool too. Like, that was insane. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it's just like some, like jumping up over someone and then reversing is like a dunk we've seen before and i think that's what's supposed to be the dunk contest you know yeah is to be creative and it feels like oh if we've seen this before then even if you like bring out a new shiny prop or whatever not that shack's like very a new prop or anything you know but like it, it doesn't make as much of a difference versus just like doing again doing the thing that you've never seen before. So Mac actually doing the thing we've never seen before and not being rewarded for it, it is an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I think not having star players is an issue. Yep. Um, and I think that needs to be kind of questioned of like, why is it? Do they not want to go in? Like, is it they're worried that they're not going to do that well? They're going to get hurt trying this stuff? Like, what's going on there? But that that's got to be answered soon. Um, because it just was not good. I, and but ultimately, I think it should have been. I mean, even like in Jalen Brown, just like all his dunks were like fine. You're right, but and they got some moves. It was almost like silly. Like it was really nice that it was. Um, you know that he dedicated that dunk, and you know, yeah. so I'm not trying to trash a dunk for that. But if you just look at the dunk itself. I mean, that's one of the worst dunks in slam dunk contest history. Yeah. You know, and it got this huge high score. He goes to five. So, like, if you just looked at all the dunks, they just weren't that good. I think it should have been uh, Toppin and McClung in the finals. So, I think that also, I feel like uh, Jacob Toppin would have come with something crazy in the finals. Um, And I think the contest was robbed with that. Overall, just, like, terrible. And I think that's something that they need to look into is, like, there's been some incredible dunk contests, but the ones that aren't as good have to be better. You know what I mean? Like, they're not always going to be great, but 
to put it last in the night, to hype it up, to have a year to figure it out, and for this to be what happened, especially now that they have the insane LED core and, like, the videos on the court and everything, like, it should be this incredible thing, and it just wasn't in so many ways. Yeah. I was pretty disgusted is the wrong word because like <laughs> it's not like it was horrible anyway in conclusion not disgusted but very over underwhelmed and i think that this is such a fun weekend um and has so much potential that i think they owe it to themselves and the fans to kind of rethink how they want to structure this moving forward and if there's any real changes they can get away with yeah i think you said it well like there's always the bar continues to be set higher for the dunk contest like a lot of the dunks we see would have been easy 50s you know 30 40 years ago when the dunk contest began um like Jordan, we had never seen someone jump that far. We had never seen someone do the Vince Carter dunks. Um, so just, it's hard for these guys to continue to reinvent what the dunk contest is, to continue to create new dunks. Um, like, the first time we see someone jump, o- jump over Shaq, that would have been sick. But now, we, you know, we've seen it. He's been a prop in multiple dunk contests, so it gets a little old. So that just speaks to what McClung did of doing something that's never been done before. And I thought that went a little bit missed last night, definitely by the judges. Part of it, too, is, you know, these guys not only need to be great dunkers, but they also need to be showmen in a way. You know, they need to have the charisma to amp up the crowd, to have the right props to get the crowd excited to build suspense. And it just feels like when you have random people in there, like Jacob Toppin, who is barely an NBA player um, and is not known for his dunks the way McClung is, even though McClung isn't a full NBA player either. You have Jalen Brown, who is a great in-game dunker, you know, obviously known for his ability to attack the rim and speed and athleticism, but he just feels like a random person to come in. Um, And then Jaime, who they said it on the TNT broadcast last night, they were like, wow, I really like Jaime Jaquez. Like he's part of the reason the heat are still in the mix for the playoffs. But when we heard his name, they thought there he was in three point contest, not the dunk contest until that was clarified. So it's just, you know, a random set of players. Um, So I think, I don't know, whether it's creating a better incentive to begin the dunk contest, like donating more money to the winner's charity, or changing the format, bringing in more players. um, Something needs to, they just need to shake it up a little bit. And this is obviously, you know, playing Monday morning quarterback right after a bad dunk contest. And we weren't saying this last year with McClung. Um, But I think we agree that it was, it was underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Something's got to give. We'll see how they move forward, I guess. Yeah. We got to move on. There's a lot more to cover. Um, So we've got the all-star game later today. Um, and he, I, I don't have too much to comment on that. 
to be honest. Uh, looking forward to it. It's always a fun event. Um, but is there anything you wanted to kind of highlight? Yeah, Anthony what Edwards, please don't shoot left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to take one three left-handed, that's fine. Or like sure. do all your dunks left-handed, but that was just kind of annoying. Uh, you need just to strengthen your reputation, and I don't think that will do it. Uh, but other than that, no. Just hope, but you know, you hope for a competitive game. Yeah, yeah, I hope for a competitive game. Um, I liked that they did the Elam ending, and they're not anymore. Mm. Um, so that I think that was such a good way to do it, which you know definitely made. Um, yeah, I, I like the Elam ending better, so we'll see losing that. But overall, I don't know. It's going to be fun no matter what. And is the Elam ending, is that where they played to 24 and there was no yeah. clock? Yeah. For exactly. Kobe? Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. And they're out, and they're back to conferences, right? It's not uh, – there's no captains picking the teams. I – thought they were captains but i'm not sure we'll get that answer for you listeners but um yeah let's and we'll re we'll circle back to that before the end of the podcast but yeah where do you want to go next we can talk about nba uh trade deadlines or lack thereof cool yeah let's finish out with nba yeah i'll give the floor to you to talk about the bulls boy um you know, they say if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So, um, oh, I'll just say that three years, no trades at the deadline is unacceptable. Um, I understand that they're kind of in between a you know rock and a hard place right now in this specific moment of could they have gotten stuff back that was worthwhile but that excuse doesn't work when it's been years of this and it's your fault you're in this place um you know you can't use injuries as an excuse in the nba and especially injuries that happened years ago at this point um you chose to re-sign that anyway just terrible front uh off this ownership um or you know management uh it's really dismal right now i i don't like hate this bulls team i like it you know i think there's real promise like i think they can be a competitive team and i think this team as is is competitive for the eighth or ninth seed and i just think that they're good enough to be better than that with just a couple changes. Um, the roster hasn't worked. And the the biggest thing, I guess, the biggest thing is at a certain point, again, if this was one year, whatever, but we're at three years or at year three of this and it's not working. And well, essentially you have that. You have to ask yourself, is this working? If it is, then let's bolster ourselves and make us better for the run. If it's not working, what can we do to get better for the future? And they didn't answer either of those. They didn't do anything. 
And it's pretty shameful, to be honest. I think this front office is on the hot seat at this point. And I think it's just tough because I actually like this team, whereas like three years ago, I didn't, you know, like looking at the rosters. So like we are better. We're more competitive, but our ceiling is so low still. And I think it's just an, it's a disgrace overall for what they could be, what they could have done, what what moves they could have made to not do anything and to be in this situation three years later, two years removed from a Lonzo ball injury. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's sickening. Yeah, so a couple thoughts. The Bulls are 26 and 29 in ninth spot in the East. Uh, two games ahead of Atlanta in 10th. Four games behind the Magic or in eighth. Um, the the reason for adding these the seven through ten the play in games was to get rid of tanking because teams thought if we can't get to eight, um, even if we can't get to six or seven, because if we get to eight we might get blown out by the one seed. We're gonna tank for a good draft pick, but it also causes teams to get a little bit, I think, stuck in mediocrity, right? Where if you look at these four teams in in the East, who I just named, Miami, Orlando, Chicago, and Atlanta, uh, Miami, you know, they've, I don't think you can blame them for being um, passive in the way they've handled their team. You know, they, they made, they've made moves, they got Terry Rozier. They made a run from the eighth seed to the finals last year. Orlando's a good young team with Bonchero and Suggs and Fogner and all those guys. But like the Bulls and the Hawks, you know, we've heard Trey Young uh, swirling in trade rumors for a couple of years now. We've heard DeJounte Murray swirling in trade rumors, uh, even though they just got him recently. Levine, too, is, and, and DeRozan have been in trade rumors, but teams like the Bulls and the Hawks just sit kind of on the boundary of the playoffs, and there's no aggression to move up and become a contender, um, but there's also not a willingness to give up your biggest assets in return for picks. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I think that I'd be more understanding of this if it wasn't multiple years of it now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's getting on my nerves. We haven't made a trade since 2021. That's crazy. <clears throat> Three trade deadlines in a row. We sit here waiting, refreshing, and nothing happens. Yeah. Um. Now the bright spots I want to say though, Kobe White's been playing awesome this year. Um, really taking it to the next level. Um, his handling has gotten so much better. Mm-hmm. Shooting with confidence. Um, his next step is the late game shot making. He it feels like in the last few minutes, if he misses one or like turns it over, 
then he's in his head about it and then he gets scared to mess up again. Yep. Um, otherwise he's been just awesome. Um, and then, you know, even on this podcast early in the season, I was pretty worried and a bit convinced that Io was going to be buried um, mm. on the bench. Yep. This year. Um, you know, bringing in Javon Carter and Craig and Caruso. And, you know, you have Dalen Terry fighting for minutes and Julian Phillips fighting for minutes and all of this, you know. I thought that he was in trouble of losing minutes, but lately he's been getting starts again. He's playing a lot of minutes. He's playing really well. He just had his career high last week, you know, 29. Yeah. Um, So being able to move to the bench primarily and kind of taking that pressure off, you know, and letting him come in and play his game and be really just like go out there, play good defense and try and get in transition and score and make nice passes, you know. Um, kind of letting him play his game and play less against starters and more against backups has been huge for him. So, yeah. Um, big shout out to both of them. Um, I guess I'm at the point right now where I'm over Vooch. I like him as a, like, I guess a guy and like a player. I think he's very valuable, you know. But on this team, it's just, it's really hard to watch, honestly defensively it's it's bad and offensively he's just not bringing it this year his shots just not there mm-hmm. so when he's not scoring and he's playing such horrible defense it's it's really just bad yeah. um anyway i we'll have more to talk about the bulls it it is tough i like this team i'll say it again but you know, and compared to Felicio and Denzel Valentine, and you know, <laughs> it could like be worse. That, yeah, and I have a real understanding of that. But yeah, year three yeah. of this, where it's like, goddamn, what's our ceiling is to get make it to the playoffs and get blown out. Like mm-hmm. that sucks because there's some good pieces on this team. You know, Drummond can help a team. Caruso can help a. T- Team. Kobe and Io are ready for playoff experience. Yeah. Demar's a great veteran with another year or two left of very high level basketball. Like this team, you know, getting Tory Craig, he's great. Like they have the pieces to start and be a real competitive team, and they're just dropping the ball. Right. I'm ranting now. Um, thanks for listening, listeners. I just it's it's tough out there right now and pretty maddening. So let's talk about the Knicks, which are going the opposite way right now. <laughs> yeah, very Even with their injury woes. Yeah, very active uh, in the trade market. We got a little well before the deadline traded for OG and Anobi. I had my reservations about that trade, uh, which I think were well documented. I was fine giving up RJ Barrett because I thought he hit his ceiling. He was a bad defender and an inefficient scorer but I didn't like giving up uh, Emmanuel quickly, uh, nor did I like giving up the 31st pick in all likelihood from the Pistons, uh, which was, you know, the first pick of the second round and the, the Pistons are bad. Um, but we've had we great return since the trade. Um, I think the Knicks at one point were 11-0 and after the trade, much more efficient offensively. Ananobi 
uh, was the top and some of the key defensive metrics can often guard the other team's main score. So looking really good, but injuries have just killed us. You know, they, the, um, there was talk of the Knicks being down three starters with Hartenstein, Randall, uh, and Ananobi. I think Hartenstein has a sore Achilles. So you never want to mess around with that. Uh, Randall has the separated shoulder, which it sounds like, as far as separated shoulders go, isn't too bad uh, and should be back for the playoffs. And then Ananobi had an issue in his elbow with a bone spur uh, that he's getting removed. That said, even, um, you know, those three don't even take into consideration Mitchell Robinson. You know, Hartenstein was being considered as the Knicks starting center uh he actually wasn't at the beginning of the season it was Mitchell Robinson who's been out for a long time with ankle issues but there is talk that he could be back before the playoffs which is huge um if he could yeah well, if he could return now with those guys out um the Knicks have lost a lot of scoring punch DiVincenzo has stepped up in a big way um, but Brunson looks tired and had a little bit of an injury of his own with an ankle, but he's back. So that that kind of heightened our lack of depth, um, and that would have been a great time to have quickly because he could have been that spark off the bench. But but you know what what can you do? Um, we had to move quickly to get Ananobi, um, and overall, it looks like the Ananobi trade will work out once he's healthy. Uh, the Knicks then made another move. Uh, Quentin Grimes and two second round picks, I believe, uh, for and they also got rid of uh, Evan Fournier's contract, which was huge. Quentin Grimes, Evan Fournier, I think that was the trade for Alec Burks and uh, Bogdanovich from Detroit, which I think was an awesome trade. To be honest with you, yeah. in, in the near, <clears throat> at least in the near term, Grimes, I think, was. Um, a very good rotation player where he could be a good defender. He could hit threes, but I didn't see him having much higher of a ceiling than where he was at right now, uh, just because he didn't show any ability to get to the rim or create his own shot. But uh, Burks is, is sort of like an older, more experienced version of Grimes. Uh, he was on the Knicks a couple years ago. And they're bringing him back. Averages about 12 points a game. Shoots close to 40% from three. Uh, and then the Knicks bring in Bogdanovich, too, who is averaging 20 points a game. Is in his mid-30s, but didn't come into the NBA until his mid-20s. Uh, so he doesn't have as much mileage on his legs as you might expect. And uh, the Pistons reportedly... Re- turned down two firsts for him a year ago so in some ways that's a steal um it's going to take a little time to integrate these new guys but again i like what the knicks did uh and we can talk standings and kind of the playoff outlook but but i'll stop there uh, if you have any thoughts to add um i mean you know best and you're you're saying it best and it's, it's you know it support everything you just said in your insights. Um, I think they're great trades. I think you you gained a lot, and I think you know this Knicks team deserves a playoff push. You know, 
um, I think with Randall and Brunson and everything, and your your front office went out and got it done. Um, I think Bogdanovich is the perfect player, and I think Burks, I haven't seen as much of him, you know. Right. But just a good 40% three-point shooter crew, I, like that's what they need. Yeah. And you have Brunson and Randall who are so ball dominant and really love to work in the paint and slash and everything to have lethal shooters around them is exactly what needs to happen, you know? And so now you've got Ananobi, who's a great three point shooter, Burks. Um, you know, Fournier was supposed to be that, but he just right. wasn't at this stage in his career. And um, so Bogdanovich just really fits that role perfectly. But like you said, he Bogdanovich is bigger than you think he is, you know. And so if you really sell out on his three-pointer, he can get to the basket, you know, totally. and make plays for people. Yeah. So I, I love these signings. I was very high on the Ananobi. And I really love Precious Achua, too. Yeah. You know, him coming off your bench being kind of like if he can be like a low-key guy that you just signed, mm-hmm. he's going to come in and give you good minutes, you know. Yeah. He's great. He's got a great motor. I, you know, I think he's gonna have a really long career. You know, I've I've liked him since he came out. Yeah, college and so I've liked what I've seen out of him. Yeah, so I just I really like the moves. I think this fits Thibodeau and New York. Um, I think you guys aren't in a place where you really have to worry about seeding. I think you need to just worry about you know gelling as a team. Yeah. Um, and I, I I'll picked you guys pretty high if if everything comes together especially if some of these injuries you know turn out okay mm-hmm. um i i think you're one of the teams to beat in the eastern conference which is pretty exciting yeah i think getting the two or the three seed would be key to to avoid boston in the second round because it looks like boston's going to get the one in all likelihood um, the Knicks right now are in the four spot and have lost four in a row. But again, I think that's due to the injuries. Um, let's talk quickly about the team in third in the East, the Bucks. So um, they moved for Pat Beverly at the deadline, which I liked a lot. I think they, he to me is a very similar, what he brings to a team is, and what he brings to a locker room is very similar to what PJ Tucker can bring to a team in a locker room. And I think the Bucks, the loss of PJ Tucker after the year they won the finals was huge for the Bucks. Yeah, um, I agree. And, and so I hope Pat can bring some of that, um, that chip on your shoulder, um, confidence, moxie back to Milwaukee because I think I think they were missing that. I think so. And I think just like hard, hard edge, hard nose yep. defense. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, even like when, when Pat came to the Bulls, how much better they did, you know, mm-hmm. like something that he is, is he's just so engaged. You know, he's so focused. He doesn't really take nights off. And when you see your teammate getting into it, like you're going to get into it too, you know? And so whatever anyone thinks of Pat Bev, I think he's a, he's a great energy guy. Um, he's he's huge for a team like the Bucks, who just really need kind of more of an identity on um, defense at this point because they're gonna score it. You know, they're they're gonna be good on offense. Um, they should be good on defense, and they're just not. Um, so, I really like the signing as well, and I I'm with you. I think PJ Tucker was such a big loss 
<clears throat> that really showed itself when it mattered. Yeah, and to me where Pat and PJ Tucker are similar is they're both guys who were probably um, not highly recruited going into college, not expected to have long NBA careers. They they bust their backside to win. They play every, they bring every night with a chip on their shoulder. They really care about winning. I mean, you saw when Pat got up on the scorer's table after the <laughs> Wolves made the playoffs. Incredible. I mean, ridiculous. But you can see how much it, it meant to him to to get that young team into the playoffs. Uh, so I hope he, he brings that to Milwaukee. Um, and we just mentioned the Wolves. Let's talk about them a little bit. They brought in Monte Morris uh, at the deadline, which I like a lot. He's been yeah. a, a good backup point guard in the league for a long time. Um, and they need to have some stability at that position, uh, be able to spell Mike Conley. And we talked a while, you know, at our last podcast, could they stay in first? Uh, and they have been. They're 39 and 16 right now, a game and a half, game and a half up on the Thunder in second. Um, so they're doing well. Yeah, they. I mean, they look great. Um, they're a fun team to watch. Uh, their their bench has played really well. Defensively, they're really scary and tough to go against. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we said last time, like I don't, I don't think that's a fluke at all. I think that's. I think they're gonna end up with the number one seed, maybe number two. But I think they're going to get the number one seed, and I, 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 I'm, I don't know. I'm really looking forward to a real playoff run from them. Because the West is interesting, though. There's a lot of really good teams there, but it feels like everyone's kind of still like warming up or gelling or you know, healing up in a way. Yep. And Minnesota's just kind of cruising along. Um, anything of note? kind of elsewhere along the in the NBA right now I think well did we do we want to talk quick about um back on the bucks though of uh Adrian Griffin oh yeah so they've struggled since bringing Doc in and they're two and six two and six uh let me see here I think three and seven in their last 10 we pull go back up to the standings yeah Lost two in a row going into the um, into the All-Star break. Giannis is sort of hedging. He's obviously not going to go out of his way to criticize Doc or criticize what's going on in the locker room uh, so early after a coaching change. But And he's more saying that the struggling is down to the transition rather than something larger, which it seemed like there was potentially with AB, Adrian Griffin, like there are rumors he he lost the locker room. Um, they did have a big win against the Nuggets, but, you know, then they had on February 12th, which was supposed to be kind of a turning point for them, but then lost to the Heat badly at home without Jimmy Butler, lost at Memphis against a bad Grizzlies team. So they've been inconsistent and they got to clean it up before the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's tough. I think that the, the argument that I've heard that I, like, I kind of like, you know, it's well, one, like <clears throat> this is a newer guy, you know, he, he had never been a coach before. He seemed to rub people the wrong way. It doesn't seem like it was just that he, 
wasn't up to the task, you know, it seems like there was some internal stuff too, mm. potentially, allegedly. Um, but also, when he was hired, Dame wasn't going to be on the team, you know. So we don't know what his, like, uh, you know, outlook for the season was or anything like that. So it's just maybe they didn't like his plan with Dame on the team. So, I, you know, I think it is unfortunate. I think it's frustrating. I think if you're Adrian Griffin, you got to be pissed. I think if you're a coach in the league, you got to be a little worried, you know. But overall, I don't know if we're going to look back at that moment and be like, oh, I can't believe the Bucks did that, you know. Yeah, I think we got to reserve our judgment on Doc. It's too early to say if it was the wrong decision. I think that's a great point you make about them hiring Adrian Griffin with the belief that Drew Holiday would be on the team. Adrian Griffin was known as a defensive coach. Obviously, Drew Holiday is known as a great defensive player, definitely a better defender than Dame. And beyond (laughs) the internal stuff that you referenced, they were bad on defense under Adrian Griffin. And that was supposedly part of the reason they fired him. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, lots to go. We'll we'll do some more in this as we get kind of the playoff picture forming more. But um, I don't know. Predictions for the Bulls and Knicks seeds. I think the Knicks get a. I think the Knicks get the three seed. Okay. And I think the Bulls get the seventh seed. Okay. And then lose in the play-in. yeah i think the bulls uh i don't know if they can pass miami or or orlando i think they'll stay in the nine slot i would love to see the knicks get the three and again avoid boston in the second round i think you know depending on the two who the two is whether it's cleveland or milwaukee i think we can beat uh both of those teams potentially if if we're healthy um I don't know that we'd be favored against Milwaukee uh, just because of Giannis and Dame, but I think they're beatable. I think every team's beatable for y'all if you get healthy. Yeah. Because the Celtics are great, but they've got some fragile players on their team, not naming names. And they do not have the depth of you guys when healthy. No. So very true. If you guys can get healthy, yeah, I think it could get very interesting. Interesting. And, you know, get MSG rocking. Yeah. Get, get healthy and gel. This is a Tibbs team. Take your time. Don't worry about every win or loss, you know. Yeah. Just worry about gelling. It's it's kind of like a, like a tournament team where, like, they've lost. Like, you can't win the, you know, your conference right now. So mm-hmm. just focus on just getting better and getting ready for the real one. And I think Knicks are going to be ready for the real one. Yeah. Um. All right, um, let's move on to our final segment on college basketball. Um, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Um, to be honest, it's been a slide for the Badgers, a really bad one. Yeah. Um, five of six. How are you feeling? Where are you at? What What are you seeing that went wrong or happened? Or just take it from here. Yeah, um, there's a lot to say. So, listeners, I'm going to uh, use use the facilities quickly, maybe get a something to drink so I'm prepared for this. So we're going <laughs> to take, take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. 
All right, welcome back. So as Max was mentioning uh, before the break, we wanted to talk a little college basketball. Badgers, unfortunately, are on a slide. Uh, lost five of six since February 1st. Uh, let's, and starting there, uh, overtime loss at Nebraska. Home loss versus number two, Purdue. Bad loss at Michigan, 72-68. Michigan is a little bit stronger at home because they have uh, Doug McDaniel. Bad loss at Rutgers by 22. Rebounded at home versus Ohio State, uh, who can be a competitive team on a good day. And then uh, yesterday, lost in a shootout at Iowa, uh, 88-86. And, you know, as I was thinking about this, this is not a new theme for the Badgers. So just want to take you guys uh, back the past couple years. Uh, 2021-2022, that was Johnny Davis's sophomore year where he was in National Player of the Year contention. Were the three seed uh, in the NCAA tournament, but closed the season out poorly. Bad loss versus Nebraska. Uh, lost against Michigan State in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. Struggled against 14 seed Colgate, even though we're in Milwaukee in a very heavy Badger crowd. And then lost to, I believe it was the 11 seed Iowa State in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Last year, we start well. Uh, narrow loss by one to Kansas. Uh, beat Marquette. Beat a good Maryland team. After the new year, 7-12. and 12, Don't make the NCAA tournament. Uh, this year, similar theme. We start off well. Get as high as number 6 in the rankings in January. We're doing well in the Big Ten. And then start to slide. Uh, and lose the games that I just mentioned at the top here. Um, culminating in yesterday's loss to Iowa. And I think a lot of it is due to coaching. You know, the the Badgers have a very unique style that they don't deviate from. It's They've been a little more up-tempo this year, and store brings a different dynamic with being able to attack the rim. But we do well often in the early season because our out-of-conference opponents don't aren't used to playing against a team with that style always. Uh, and then we start the Big 10 season off well, but by this, you know, the latter half of the Big 10 season where we're playing teams for the second time, uh, it gets predictable. And they know how to shut us down defensively. And it seems like fatigue sets in too. You know, this, with a swing offense, it can't just be passing the ball around the perimeter and, um, and then, you know, giving it to Wall or Crowell to hold the ball in the post for five or six seconds or shooting up a off-balance three at the end of the shot clock. There needs to be cutting and movement on the offense to make it go, and and I'm not seeing that. So I think Greg Gard has to take some of the blame for this. I mean, you have um, Storr, who is one of the best transfers in the country probably, been better than you could have hoped for. You have an incredibly experienced team with Wall and Crowell and Hepburn and Klesmet, and we can't figure it out. I mean, 
you know, everyone has off days, but losing at Rutgers is horrible. Uh, losing at Michigan is horrible. And so they got to get it together. They don't have too easy of a season uh, remaining games left here. They have Maryland at Indiana, which won't be easy. At home against Illinois, which won't be easy. Home against Rutgers. Uh, and then at Purdue. So they could easily, you know, go two and three, one and four in those games. Um, and I don't think they'd fall out of the NCAA tournament, but they need to look at themselves in the mirror and um, and get things right before it's winter go home. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it, it feels kind of like a similar situation with the Bulls in a way of like the just something's not working, something's not right, you know? And it, I think everything you mentioned is dead on. The two things I was thinking about, because, you know, I've been a lot higher on this team than you have. Yeah. Um. Starting out, like I was, I I liked every piece that they brought back, you know, but now seeing them, I'm still higher than you on them, and I'm still pretty high on them overall, you know, because I think that like the, the luxury of having this team is that I, I think they can, if they win two out of five and win one game in the Big Ten tournament, they're going to the tournament for sure, you know. They started off so well, which helps them. You know, if if they're to win two, they'll be eleven and nine, like that, and then you get a win, they'll be fine. And so now they're kind of in that place where, you know, if they lose one more, then they're really in just get get right for the tournament. Now the two things though that I was thinking of what the Badgers need, and this kind of falls on coaching, you know, is one if you're going to run this swing offense, which is so great and is deadly and still works, and there is something to it after all these years, you know. And it actually should work in this positionless basketball that we're that is taking over the the, the country right now, you know, because that's the idea of the swing is everyone kind of goes everywhere. Mm. But you need big men to shoot threes. Yeah, and they just don't have that. And that to me is like a recruiting issue, you know, because if you had if 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 Wall could step out and hit threes. It would open up everything else for all, you know, store could drive, crowd could have time to work one-on-one, all of it, you know. And just by watching, like, the difference when Coleman Hawkins is in versus Dane Danger, Dane Danger is a great player, you know. He averaged 10-5 and last year in the Big Ten, and he's probably better this year. But he got he's getting, like, four minutes a game right now. Mm -hmm. Because Coleman just completely, it's just, like, opens up the offense with him in there. Yeah. So that's one. Two is the player development. When I look at players like Wall, who Wall, I really love his game, but has it changed much since like two, three years ago? No. He hasn't gotten better at free throw shooting. He hasn't developed a jumper. He hasn't developed a decent three-pointer. If he could shoot at 35% from three, it would change the season for them, you know? But he hasn't. And when you're a big guy who it's all about being crafty and then you're missing free throws, like that's rough. And then Chucky. Chucky, there were times 
as a freshman where he looked like that dude. He was taking awesome shots. He reminded me a lot of like Trent Frazier at that, you know, mm. just not scared of the moment. And now it feels like, and, and you see flashes like yesterday, Iowa, he had some awesome plays and some big shots, you know, but a lot of it, it feels like Greg guards just drilled into him. Like, just be smart with the ball. Don't make mistakes, you know? And it's like, you know, like Chucky needs a little bit of that AJ store, like St. John's shot selection, you know, like I, it shouldn't be that drastic, but he's a player that he's so good. It should be very much like, okay, okay, cool it a bit, you know, and not the other way around. Yeah. And unfortunately, like that's, that's what's holding you guys back. Chucky needs to take that next level. The cool thing is I think he will. I think he'll be challenged. I think this is a challenging stretch. I think this makes him step up and go. Mm-hmm. And then um, the issue is I, I just think that stretch shooter would be huge. Um, and then something I'm looking at forward going forward as I think, I don't think, I think Greg guard gets AJ store, you know, before he's canned if, or on the hot seat fully. I think he's going to get to coach Blackwell and AJ store. Yeah. Um, if they stay, which I mean, they should. Mm-hmm. AJ store. Well, I don't see why Blackwell would keep. Yeah. Um, so I think he gets them. And that is, I think where you'll see everything. Is he able to develop these players that are both very young, very skilled, can be NBA players? You know what I mean? What is where does he go with them? Because it it's a big question mark right now. Yeah, and honestly, no, I think you said it well, and I'll make it quick so we can get to Illinois. Honestly, the way he coaches, like you said with Chucky, where he's so pass first and deferential sometimes is not just not conducive to the batters winning, but it also prevents the players from reaching their potential. Like Chucky's better than that. And he's just holding him back. Like there, well, Crowell was aggressive yesterday, but there are some times where Crowell will get the ball at the perimeter and won't even look to shoot. He'll just turn and pass it yeah. without taking a dribble. And like you said, yeah, wall, wall can't shoot. Um, and yeah, it's a it's a rough stretch right now. But let's let's get on to Illinois. Yeah. Well, wait. Last the last thing I just wanted to say. If you mm-hmm. look at the stretch they had, I just want like uh, at Nebraska. You know, they've been a nightmare for a lot of people. Um, Fair. Purdue's Purdue at Michigan. They are so much better there because they have Doug McDaniel. Yeah. Like you still can't, you got to win that game, but you know what I mean? These aren't horrific. The Rutgers thing, they got shell shock Jersey mics. It's tough to go to, we've seen it, you know, but yeah, the Iowa game, there were just a lot of times where it's just like, and blew a 13 point lead against Iowa. And it's Iowa. Like it, it just felt like at the end, Iowa out toughed you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I was going to always make threes and be have runs and be streaky, you know? Yeah, but this Wisconsin team cannot be getting out toughed and out like mentally, you know. Yeah, it's so. But I, I would just say that like I don't think the season's lost at all. I think like they they put in a lot of good work earlier in the season. the The amount of quad one wins I saw that they had is insane. They have like eleven quad one wins. I yeah. think like it's tied for like second or third in the country. Yeah. So like they they they're fine and now it's really just like wake up figure it out. So 
I'm interested in this team still, but man, rough, rough stretch. And Maryland is not a gimme game, and that's what's scary to me. Yeah. Um. So, going to Illinois, um, you know things are pretty good right now. Um. Yeah, Illinois is kind of half like a foot in that. Like, let's just get ready for the tournament. You know, we've had success in the um. Big Ten before, and you know we've lost at Michigan State a game where we were ahead by eight down the stretch. It really felt like we um we're gonna win that one and lost, and that that was definitely frustrating. Um, but there were it was examples of kind of beating ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. And I think while that's frustrating, it's also like it's good lessons to learn. Um, and and as of now, you know. We're looking pretty good. We're second in the big. We're and right now Purdue as we speak. It's a close game, but they're down two with Ohio State shooting free throws with fifty seconds left. So Purdue might lose on the road, which would put them a game back, and Illinois gets to play them in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, but adding Terrence Shannon back, uh, you know, they're hearing it on the road, and I, you know, that's fine. If you just read the headlines, I get it. Um, but some of the stuff the crowd's saying is just it's pretty vile and some of it's rightfully anyway, so that's you know tough on the road. Um, but they've handled it well and these last couple games, uh Terrence Shannon's really just gotten really good. Yeah. Um, he's gotten back to his form that he's in, which that this seeing him go out and obviously there is the mental and all the stuff off the court aspect to it. Right. But the idea that he was out for only like two, three weeks, you know? Yeah, not that long. And it was it was that hard for him to get back into the rhythm of things, you know? This like he was playing at all American level and I'd say he's back to it now, which is incredible for the team. But like it really gave me respect for like what crazy shape they're in and how there's no, you know what I mean? Like he really had to work super hard to get back into it. Yeah. I mean, Um, sure. I I think there was probably a mental side of it for him too. It wasn't just a, any normal type of leave, but yeah, I I hear what you're saying. For sure. But I think just watching it though, it's just like the physicality of it, all of it was yeah, pretty crazy. But yeah, um, he's he's back in. He's looking locked in, which is good. Damask, I mean, Southern Illinois transfer to come in and be playing so well. Yeah, he's hooping. In the Big Ten. Yeah, hooping about eighteen to twenty points a game right now. Just looking awesome. Justin Harmon, uh, off the bench, he's kind of really figuring out his role, which is great. Which is to come in and score, hit some huge timely shots. Um, Ty Rogers has been amazing on the glass. He needs to get better defensively. I, it's a fun Illinois team. This feels like Brad finally has like his team, you know. And I'm starting to really believe in this team, you know. I, yeah, this team's good. Um, I think they're going to be a really tough outcome tournament time. Like, I'm not going to say they're a full full contender, but I would be so shocked if they go out early this time. So let me like let me, yeah. Let me ask you this. So I'm I'm just looking at the box score from yesterday's game. So you have your five starters, then off the bench, Harmon, twenty-six minutes, 
Luke Goody nine minutes that, but then, you know, you have Hansbury in danger, just playing a minute or two each. Um, do you guys have enough, enough depth with just basically a seven man rotation? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Because part of it is just like the nature of the games we're playing, you know, like against Michigan, everyone played. Mm -hmm. um, and then part of his injuries, like Amani Hansbury, that's been kind of tough. Um, he is dealing with back spasms. Okay. So I think he would be a contributor. Ultimate. I think he, he could play more in this style, you know, so he could give um, Quincy and Coleman some breaks off the bench more than Dane can playing this style of offense. Mm -hmm. um, but he's been hurt. So that's been tough. But, but otherwise I think like once it gets down to March, it's going to be a seven man rotation anyway. So barring any injuries, Fair. I think okay. they'll be okay. And I think, you know, we play Minnesota at home. We play Iowa at home. We play at Penn state. That's our next three. Not in that order, but uh, that's our next three. I think there'll be some time in those to get some for Coleman not and Terrence not to have to play 38, 39 minutes. Yeah. And then we have a big stretch where it seems like we'll be able to uh, control, you know, their destiny, which is cool. Yep. Yeah, um, Penn, Penn State, Iowa, Minnesota, at Wisco, home against Purdue, and at Iowa. So a huge last couple games filled with some rivalries as well yeah so really looking forward to it i think this team is just it's a really well put together team um and yeah I, i'm pretty stoked on them um yeah i just think defensively they need to focus in that that is their big question because they're they're too good and the other thing i would say what i really like about this team too and, and i think it's good coaching uh which Underwood's not the best coach on making adjustments, you know, but I think something he's done well in that area is he's kind of running this pro style where mm -hmm. he's just finding matchups using picks and screens and everything yeah. to get the yep. matchups he wants, you know, and I think that allows it where it's like, okay, if one guy's not having a night, then we go to a different guy. And I think that's been cool to see. Where it's like, okay, Luke Goody is hit like four threes tonight. Keep feeding him. Oh, he's broke tonight. Okay, who is hitting him? Let's run it for them, you know? Or like, they can't stop Damask. Okay, they stopped Damask. Now we go to Tarrant, you know? Like, there's a lot of weapons and different ways to use this team. And that's another thing that I think bodes well for the tournament. Oh, Luke Goody can't buy a basket tonight. That's fine. We'll go to someone else, you know? And I think, I don't. You know, they're not going to go eight, nine, or ten deep, but I think the seven deep they go could all be starters in this league and are all good at different things. So, um, yeah, buy stock in the line. They're, <laughs> they're good. They're really good. All right, yeah. let's, uh, listeners, let's leave it there. Um, hope you guys have enjoyed the pod enjoy the nba all-star game just circling back it is by the way east against west um, yep. Le lebron and Giannis are the captains having gotten the most votes so they will be in the respective starting fives uh along with in the west luca kd uh sga and Jokic, and in the east uh bam replacing uh Embiid, uh halliburton lillard and tatum yeah, it should be a 
fun one. Um, always is. And how many does LeBron have left? So let's enjoy him, you know? Yeah. Um, but all right, listeners, this was a long one. Thanks for sticking with us. MK, great to catch up with you. Great to talk hoops. This was awesome. Yep. Enjoyed uh, it. We'll catch you next time. Yep. Peace.